Well, before I go any further, let me just say real quick to every single one of you how much I absolutely love, love, love your pastors. When we start a difficult economy and everybody's trying to save in the midst of a really difficult economy and everybody's trying to save and everybody is, is trying to cut back, Pastor Jane Stacy stepped up and said, hey, we'll help you. You know, we had three partners. Uh, the fourth was kind of questionable, but we had the ministry that sent us out that um, has stood with us every month over all these years. Uh, they're still our uh, number one supporter. And then we had um, my in-laws who only supported me because I was married to their daughter. And that was, you know, I mean, I think they kind of resented that. But anyway, so, <laughs> and then we had Journey Church. Come on now. It was just awesome. So we really, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, Pastor Jay, he's so nice. He's so kind. Um, you know, you guys have been supporting us for a couple of years and, and maybe, maybe just a year or so at that time. And, uh, and then I brought Nicole in. I said, man, you got to meet Pastor Jay and Stace. You got to meet them. They're just awesome. They're great, wonderful, blah, 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 you know, the whole thing. So we go to lunch and we, I mean, immediately, it was like we were a family, long lost family. And on the way home, Pastor Jay texted me and said, you know, after Stacy met your wife, she really felt like we needed to up our giving a little bit. I said, my Jesus, honey, you coming with me on every meeting I have from now on. <laughs> Which, by the way, this is my lovely wife, hon, would you just stand up and, yes. Don't let her looks fool you. If you cross her, she will cut you. <laughs> we are just so blessed and so happy. Um, I brought four pictures with me uh, just real quick. I wanted to show you guys some of the investment that you make just simply by being obedient to the Lord with your tithes and offerings and what you give and every week that you sow. Um, I want you to see outside of this beautiful building and, of course, reaching uh, Central, Denham, Walker, Pride, Baton Rouge, whatever, all the places that, uh, you know, Journey Church has influenced and all the people that you guys are reaching. I want you to see what you've done literally around the world because just a few months ago we were in Pakistan um, and we are seeing Muslims come to Christ by the tens of thousands. It's absolutely amazing. Here's uh, a few pictures, if you don't mind, showing, yeah, I thought you guys would like this because, well, y'all occasion. So, so <laughs> this lady here, she's an older lady, and uh, she was blind in her right eye, and I get it. I understand most of us have uh, maybe some strange thoughts about healing today, and, and well, does Jesus really heal? Does, is it really true? Is it really for today? And, and probably because if you guys get sick, if any of us get sick in America, we run down the street, go to the doctor, get some meds, and we're good to go. Well, over there, it's not the case. And so this lady, she said, I, you know, during the prayer for healing, she started screaming, I can see, I can see. And so I said, okay, well, come up here and let's test it out. And so I was running around the stage, and I said, follow me. She covered her left eye, and, and she's following me all over. And I said, okay, now grab my, my nose. And it was like she had some vice grips, man. I mean, this woman was, I needed healing after that. But it was just awesome. It was wonderful. And then the next picture uh, was just a, a, a shot of the, of the first night of the crusade, and that was behind me. But then the following picture is the last night of the crusade, and we had to use drones to be able to get the full footage of the crowd. And these are people just loving Jesus, coming to Christ by the tens of thousands. It was amazing. They said it was over 70,000 people on that soccer field that night. And along the right, or, or I guess left side of the uh, field, there's a line of buildings. And people were sitting on top of the roofs, just 
just wanting to get uh, uh, some action, wanting to hear the gospel because they couldn't fit on the field anymore. So it was absolutely amazing. The next picture is this little girl caught my eye during the prayer for salvation. She just lifted her hands to Jesus and wanted to get saved. It was just precious. And then, of course, the last picture here of all the people in that vast crowd. I know there was probably more, but he's the only guy that I saw with a Bible. And most of us have four or five in the house. And he was holding on to it for dear life. And so I just wanted you guys to see a snippet of the difference that you guys are making around the world. Because we are in this together. We are on a team. We just have different roles. Amen? Amen. So really exciting. Um, By the way, uh, like Pastor Jay said, he's been on several crusades with me. Uh, Pastor Tyler actually came in February to one of our crusades in Africa And then, of course, my dear, dear, dear friend, uh, Pastor Jeremy Quintini. Um, I don't let him come on any crusades anymore. (laughs) Because I love Pastor Jeremy. Um, He was actually in our youth group years and years ago, like three or four years ago. (laughs) And uh, he's... uh, uh, Um, we were in South Sudan and, uh, it was hot as can be. I mean, it was hot. H E double hockey sticks, hot. It was hot y'all. It was hot. And one night it rained and pastor Jeremy, he couldn't sleep. And so we're, you know, he he said, he said, Bernie, let's go outside and, and just chat and talk. And you know, okay, like an idiot. So I said, um, sure. So it's 3 o'clock in the morning. It stopped raining. It was actually cool. And we're sitting outside and getting attacked by mosquitoes. I came home with malaria. He was fine. (laughs) That brother had Tabasco in his blood or something. I don't know what. He didn't get it, but I did. (laughs) I spent four days in that blasted hospital, but nevertheless, God is good, and we overcame. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My wife said I was hallucinating and saying things and all kind of funny stuff was happening to me. I said, honey, what did I say? I didn't throw myself under the bus, huh? <laughs> Amen. Uh, this morning, I want to talk just for a few moments about a message entitled, It Is Written. Everywhere I go, uh, every church that I go to, every crusade that we do, people that I spe- speak with, it seems to me that most people... Most believers today um, don't really know what God has written about them in the scriptures. All these wonderful promises that God has laid out for us. And the reality is, I think we do ourselves a great injustice by not spending time in the word. And I'm in a season of life where I just love God's word. I absolutely love it. I want to eat it. It's just amazing to me. The treasure that we find in the scriptures. I mean, listen. For the very person who, or the very God who flung stars in their sockets and named them, who carved rivers out of deserts and mountains and oceans and and laid out the equator and, and the depths of the sea, all these wonderful things, and then intricately woven us together that we have somewhere around six miles of genetic code written on the inside of us, I think it'd be a little good for us if we spent a little time with him. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, uh, Peter says, By which have been given to us exceedingly, watch this, exceedingly great 
and precious promises that through these promises, we, you and I, we may be partakers of the divine nature, his divine nature, Jesus' divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Watch, he's given us exceedingly great and precious promises. These are not like, hey, you'll do good today. No, no, no. These are great and precious promises that God has woven out for us. The scholars, and it depends on who you ask and who you research, but they say somewhere around seven to 12,000 promises have been laid out for us in the scriptures. In between seven and 12,000. It bothered me a little bit because as I was researching this, I found that there were only two promises Two promises from God the Father to God the Son in the Gospels, from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, God had only laid out two promises from the Father to the Son. And I said, Lord, this isn't fair. What's up with that? You've only given Jesus two promises. And the Holy Spirit whispered to me, Bernie, he is the promise. He's your promised Savior. He's your promised redeemer. He's your promised healer. He's your promised deliverer. He is the promise. He always was and always will be. There's no need to give me promises to the one who is the promise. So I figured we would dive in this morning just for a few moments and discover together the power of his word. For it is written. What's written? It is written that he has carved you from dust and made you in his image. You're the image of the king of the, you are made in the image of the king of the universe. You are a prince and a princess, a king and a queen. And most of us don't even know. Look at what Deuteronomy, what God spoke to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 11. He says to Moses, therefore you shall lay up these words of mine. You shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house. Along with LSU, you shall speak of the word of God. Come on, somebody. When you walk by the way and you're talking about LSU, you shall also talk about me. All right? When you lie down and when you rise up, when you, write, you should write them on your doorpost, verse 20, the doorpost of your house right next to your LSU flag. I'm not bitter about last night at all. Just a little bit. Okay. And on your gates, verse 21, that the days, that your days and the days of your children. So what you do is good for you and it's good for your kids. That your days and the days of your children uh, may be multiplied in the land which God swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. For if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations or these enemies from before you, the enemy of lack and the enemy of doubt and the enemy of fear and the enemy of confusion. If you spend time in the word, God will drive all these enemies you face out of your home. And you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Every place, come on, this is a promise for everyone. Every place the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Why is it so important? Why is it so important? We see this from Genesis all the way to Revelation. The word of God is alive. Look at what John 1 
verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, come on, say it. Y'all better get some Starbucks up in here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was. He was in the beginning with All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him, not in your spouse or your job or your money or your bank account, but in him was life. And the life was the light of men. In him was life, not in duck season. Come on, women, say amen. In him was life. Life is not found at Macy's or Dillard's. Come on, men, say amen. <laughs> Y'all are weak. <laughs> Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we, you and I, beheld his glory. It's divinity unzipping himself, coming down to earth and taking on the form of humanity. And dwelling among us, walking among us, eating with us, laughing and crying and helping and rebuking and saving. It's divinity taking on the form of humanity. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful. That's why you can open up the scriptures and read the same story 10 times and get something different out of it because it's God's breath coming off the pages leaping into your heart. The word of God is living and powerful. It's not boring. It's not some uh you know humdrum whatever kind of message that you know I don't understand. When you open it and you open your your heart and you open this book and you begin to read God begins to speak. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit uh, and of the joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It is vital for us to spend time in God's word. I love uh, Matthew chapter 4. Jesus goes through a period of trials and he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, you know, most of us, we can fast for about four hours, you know. <laughs> we'll have breakfast at eight, we eat at 12. Guarantee you that, Jack. <laughs> Especially us men. My wife will eat a protein bar, be done till six. Not me. <laughs> she said, honey, I know the weight of your heart is through your belly. Well, praise the Lord. There you go. But Jesus is hungry. And he says, look at this, in verse 3, when the enemy had came to him, he said, if you're the son of God, he always starts with an if. It's a page out of the playbook in Adam all the way back in the garden, if God really said this. He's always trying to get you to question who you are. And most of us don't really understand who we are because we won't read the book. But if we get into it is written, we can find out what God said about us. So watch what Satan says. Satan tells Jesus, if you're the son of God, now, I love this. If you're the son of God, command these stones become bread. Now, this is, we're reading in the New King James Version, but I got the New Cajun Version. So what he says is, he says, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become boiled crawfish, <laughs> shrimp etouffee, gumbo. You know what I'm saying? Some boiled crawfish, some jambalaya. I mean, we, just a litany. And Jesus 
Jesus sat there, scratched his head for a second, and said, man, I'm, I'm hungry. Of course he's hungry. He's been fasting 40 days. Command these stones become bread. And Jesus combated that temptation with three words. It is written. And then he spoke to Satan and told him what was written. You shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the enemy said, okay, I'm going to wise up. I'm going to use the word against you. He came back and he says, well, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Ah, he's trying to twist the word now. For it is written. But most of us, if we don't understand what's written, we can dive right into that trap. We can fall right into it. He says, if it is, it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said, it is written, you dumb devil, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up. This is the third time. The devil took him up. He's thinking, hey, man, three times a charm, third time's a charm. Verse 8, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said, all these things I'll give to you if you will just simply fall down and worship me. And we get the PG version of the scriptures. I think Jesus said, you were some stupid devil. Listen, away with you. It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him. And I like what Luke said. The devil left him, but waited for another opportune time. He's always waiting for another opportune time. A few months ago, we, we, we moved into our house, and we only have one TV. We've got three kids. <clears throat> I've got a 16-year-old going on 30. I've got a 14-year-old. Uh, two girls, and then my son, 11, who thinks he's a teenager. So my wife, you know, she said, honey, we need another TV. And I was trying to hold off for a while, you know. And she said, honey, listen, we, we just, everybody's fighting over the TV. We, just, we need another TV. I said, yes, ma'am, let the Lord speak to you. Let's go. So she says, well, you know, I don't know about all these TVs. I said, why don't you just go ahead and you get whatever you want. Come on, man, go big or go home. So I said, yes, ma'am. I went over there to Best Buy and picked out this nice TV and you know you want to hear the movie or the football game and all that kind of stuff so I had to get a sound bar yeah I don't know what I'm talking about and so so uh you know these millennials they try to help you out right and I'm from the old school we don't need any help so Kenny Kenny the guy he's, he's sitting there he says uh, Mr. Moore look for $200 we can come and set it up you said you never had a smart TV and you know there's a bunch of steps you got to go through to set this thing up and so why don't you just let us come and set it up and I said Kenny you're a good salesman but I ain't paying $200 for you to come and set my TV up I can do this myself Mr. Moore are you sure I said Kenny I'm a man <laughs> I don't need any help setting up my TV you know, by the way, women, we don't need any help with directions either. You know, we all, just ask Abraham. This goes all the way back to Genesis 12. Sarah, pack it up. Jesus said, we got to go. Where are we going? I, I, I don't know. Or Moses, right? Mo, the Bible says it was an 11-day journey from Egypt to the promised land, but somehow it took Moses 40 years. You would have thought somebody would have grabbed the map and said, hey, Mo, you mind if I take a look at this? I mean... I've been seeing this mountain way too long. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so, 
So I, I said, Kenny, listen, I don't need any help. I, I can set this up, man. I already got the, the you know, the, the frame or whatever, the holder on, on the wall, the bracket and all that, and, and uh, I'm good to go. And he said, okay, Mr. Moore, I'll see you in a few days. <laughs> and so, so I get home and, and, you know, we set it all up. And uh, I swear there was a devil in the TV the first few days. I had the picture working, but not the sound. Then I got the sound with no picture. Then I got the picture and the sound, and then I got closed captioning going across the whole screen. It's driving me insane. A week later, I go back to Kenny. Kenny, something's wrong with the TV. He said, no, sir, I think it's just the operator. <laughs> Kenny, don't insult my intelligence. Mr. Moore, I think it's a little too late for that. <laughs> Kenny, listen, I didn't grow up in Orlando. I grew up in South Louisiana. You, you say one more thing, son. We're going in the back of this parking lot. No, no. Just, so, 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 so I, I go, I go back home. I, he says, he said, Mr. Moore, $200. You got 30 days. You get $200. We'll come set it all up for you. I said, Kenny, I'm good. I don't need it. I'm telling you. I go home. I'm on YouTube. That's my, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Google. I'm trying to figure all this out. And my wife, you, you women are just so, you, we love you. But y'all know how to say things at just the wrong times. <laughs> I mean, I'm pulling what little hair left I have out of my head. I'm going crazy. I'm having conversations with Jesus and with the devil. And I'm just all, you know. And so my wife comes up and says, well, honey, did you read the instruction manual? No! I'm a man. We don't need to. Who reads the instruction manuals? We don't need to do that. And so, again, for another four or five days, I'm going through this. And finally, I'm looking over at the instruction manual the whole time. It's still in the plastic bag with the tape on it. I didn't even touch it. And I didn't want to look at it because it was thick. I don't have time for that. And there's no pictures. What happened to the good old instruction manuals with two pages? And finally, I wised up. Old Boudreaux here wised up. I grabbed Marie. I said, honey, call Taylor. She knows everything. Call her. She, no. I, I grabbed the instruction manual. I opened it up. And I'm telling you, I started reading it. And within a matter of 30 minutes, I had that TV whistling like it was supposed to from the day I brought it. I mean, I could have saved myself 14 days, a lot of conversations with Jesus, and a lot of conversations with Kenny at Best Buy if I'd have just opened up the book and realized how this thing was supposed to operate from the very beginning. And it dawned on me. We could all, as Christians, as believers, as children of God, we could save ourselves a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble if we would just open the book and just read it a few minutes every day and spend time in the Word and understand what God says about us. We could save ourselves a lot of heartache. I like, I like what Mark chapter 2 says. At the end of Mark chapter 1, there's a massive revival going on. Everybody's coming to see Jesus. Jesus gets in a boat with his disciples. He goes across the lake, and he winds up in a city called Capernaum. And he entered the city after some days, and it was heard that Jesus was in the house. And immediately, verse 2, many people gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even at the door. And I love what the Word says. Jesus 
preached the word to them. He didn't have all these fog machines, smoke, lights, camera, action, go. He just preached the word to them. And everybody from all walks of life, from all over the city, the four corners of the villages and towns and all these regions, they came to hear him so much so that they couldn't fit anybody else in the house. And then there were four guys carrying their friend. They used some tie straps. They couldn't get in the house, so they raised him up along the side of the house, banging him against that that brick house, that cinder block house, banging him against the house. They get to the roof, and now you know these brothers were Cajun because they got out their pickaxles, their shovels, their their hammers, and they tore the whole roof open. Uh, Sorry, Philip, or whoever's house this is. Um, We needed to get our friend in the midst of the presence of Jesus. When's the last time you uncovered the roof for a friend? That's a whole other message. When's the last time you brought your friend to Jesus? You refused to say, no, you coming with me to church today. I'm coming to pick your behind up at home, and you coming with me because God has a plan for you. He's got a dream and a goal and a destiny for you. And no matter what you've done in the past, he wants to redeem you. He wants to know you. He wants to love you. When is the last time? You've uncovered the roof for someone. He gets into the middle of the room. They lower him down in the presence of Jesus. And I love what the scripture says. Verse 12, uh, Jesus forgives him and immediately he arose, took up his bed, and he went out in the presence of them all. And so that every single person there was amazed and they glorified God and they made this statement, we've never seen anything like this. All he did was preach the word. The Lord spoke to me and said, Bernie, if you'll just preach my word, I'll back it up. What about Luke chapter 7? I want to dive into this story just for a second. When he concluded, verse 1, when he concluded his sayings in the hearing of all the people, he entered Capernaum once again. And a centurion servant, this is a Roman's uh, uh, servant. Now, again, you you guys remember, give you a little Bible lesson real quick. The Romans didn't like the Jews, and the Jews didn't like the Romans because the Romans were occupying their territory. They were kind of overseeing everything that the Jewish folk did, and they didn't like it. But this guy, this Roman uh, centurion, was special because he actually built the Jewish people a church. It was amazing. So they were kind of cool with this guy. But watch what happens. A certain centurion servant was sick. This guy was very dear to him. He was sick and ready to die. He was on his last breath, hanging for dear life. When he heard about Jesus, faith comes by hearing, and hearing the what? Y'all are so smart. When he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to Jesus, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him, Jesus, please, saying, the one for whom he should do this was really well-deserving. I know he's a Roman, believe me, but the guy's cool. He loves the Jewish folk. He even built us a church, a synagogue. Verse 6, Jesus says, hey, I'm all in. That's cool. I'll go with you. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to Jesus saying to him, Lord, Lord, don't trouble yourself. For I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. And then he says, why? 
He says, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. He said, therefore, I didn't think of myself worthy to come to you. But just say, my God. Just speak the word. Just speak the word. You don't have to come to my house. You might not like some of the things you see in my house. It's not really in order the way I know maybe you would want it to be. Maybe I'm not doing things the way I should, but I'm trying. Uh, I, I know who you are, and your fame precedes you. Like, I, I get it. I understand. I've heard and seen and understand the stories and the miracles. But all I need you to do, just speak a word. Just speak a word. He says, just speak a word, and my servant will be healed. And look at what Jesus says here. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And he turned around to this vast crowd and he says, I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. In other words, the place and the people and the nation that I should find great faith in, my people, special people, they got the inside track, the inside scoop, they don't have the faith that this guy has. And I wonder if the Lord is saying that about some of us today in the church world. The place and the people and the remnant group that should trust me, that should have faith, that should believe, that should be spending time with me, they are neglecting my word. They're neglecting my promises. They don't understand for it is written. And so this morning, I'm hope, my hope is that we get inundated with this promise that if we would spend time with him, he would open up the windows of heaven and reveal to us the promises that he has, the treasure that he has for every single one of us. Jesus says, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. I wonder if this guy read through the journey of his life, if he had come across Isaiah Chapter 55, when God speaks to Isaiah and he tells Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, Isaiah. Hold on tight. Listen to this. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, do not return there. I love this. But they water the earth and they bring it forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth it will not return to me void it will accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the very thing for which I send it that is why it is so important to understand the promises we have in the Word of God. They are so rich. My promises are yes and amen. My promises are rich. They're for you and your wife and your family and your business and your church and your neighborhood and your friends. But somebody's got to dive in the book. Psalm 68 Verse 19 says, blessed be the, the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. You mean, Bernie, you mean there's benefits in serving the Lord? Yes, there's a lot. 
You mean to tell me there's benefits in serving God? Yes, daily he loads you with benefits, but you don't know the benefits if you don't spend time in the word. Psalm 103 talks about some of these benefits. Let me highlight a few. Verse 2 says, Blessed, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquities? Not a few, not the small ones, not the minor ones, but all of them. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what sin you've committed. He forgives all of your iniquities and he heals all of your diseases. Not just the headache. He heals all of your diseases. There's no disease the great physician can't cure. He heals all of your diseases, and he redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Listen to this. Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious. He is very slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. And I believe this next verse is for somebody here this morning. He's not dealt with us according to our sins. Thank you, God, because we'd all be dead. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has he punished us according to our iniquities. Let me pause for a second and say, if he hasn't punished you for your iniquities, if he hasn't punished you for your mistakes and for your sin, why would you keep punishing yourself? We don't serve a God that punishes. We serve a God that forgives. So whatever happened last week or last month or last year or 10 years ago that you still are holding on to, he's telling you, I have forgiven all of your sin. And I'm not punishing you according to your iniquities. I have wiped the slate clean the moment you said, Jesus, come into my life. I'm sorry. I repent, God. I ask you to make me, uh, I ask you to become my Lord and Savior. Cleanse me. Wash me. And watch what he does. Verse 11, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions and our mistakes away from us. He's removed them away from us. So many people deal with guilt, heartache, pain. Jesus says, when you come to me, I take it and I wipe it away and I remove it. As far as the east is from the west, so shall your sins be. I like what the angel told Mary when she was having a conversation with the Lord. The angel said to her, I know you don't know a man. I, I, I know, uh, you know, you are engaged to Joseph and You're going to get married soon. She's just a young girl, teenage girl, 16, 17, somewhere up in this neck of the woods. The angel says to her, 
God has a treasure for you. He's got a dream for you. He's got something big for you. So much bigger than you could ever understand. You can't even fathom what he's got for you. He's going to hug you, overwhelm you, plant a seed in you, and you're going to carry the promised child. And I love what Mary says, how can this be? The Lord says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing. And then Mary says to the angel of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I feel like there's a lot of people here today that have a dream on the inside. Fear and doubt may have robbed you from that. But the dream didn't go away. The seed is still there. God has planted something great in this church. God has planted something great in your life. God's planted something great in your marriage, in your family. And I believe he wants you to know this morning, with him nothing will be impossible. And I believe he wants you to respond just like Mary did. Let it be unto me according to your word. The word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. I only do this because I don't want anyone to feel embarrassed the most important moment of this service. Holy Spirit, deal with every single one of us. I want you to know, I can't even, to the best of my ability, articulate the love that God has for you. But if you were there with the Lord, laying across his MRI table, and he was having a conversation with you and examining you, would, would he see anything that needs to be taken out of your life? Maybe there are some issues or some challenges that you've faced. Maybe there are some things that you're trying to get rid of. I don't know, maybe you've just kind of fallen off the track, so to speak. You've gotten off course. If that's you, and today you want to come back to the Lord, you just want to make things right. There's, there's moments in all of our lives where we, uh, including myself, have had to place ourselves in a position to answer that question time and time again. Well, this morning, I don't want you to leave with that question being unanswered. If you need to get some things right with the Lord, wherever you are, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. Wherever you are, just slip up your hands real quick. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you in the back. Thank you. Front, yes. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? Amen. Thank you. Amen. It's awesome. A lot of hands raised. Amen. Let me just pray over you. And as I pray, you, uh, again, can pray alongside me or after me or with me, however you want to do it. But let me just pray over you. Lord, I just thank you for every hand that ra was raised, every hand that went up, Lord, every life that's opened, every heart, every mind. Father, I thank you for every single person here that is hungry for you, desiring you, wants to be with you, wants to make things right. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that your favor, your grace, your presence would inundate every single person here, that you would overwhelm all of us, that your goodness, God, would 
saturate us like a blanket covering a small child. Lord, we come to you this morning needing to get things right, needing to repent, needing to make things right. We bless you, God. We honor you and we say, have your way in our lives. We open up our heart. We confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of our lives. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a big offering of praise. Hallelujah. Love you. What a great word. You know, as a church, we, we've been in the year of the Bible studying through and just a great word to reinforce within us the, the importance of being in the word and the promises that God has for our lives, the benefits that it brings to us as we walk through life growing in relationship with him every single day. Amen. What an encouragement. Bernie, thank you for that great word. Let's give him a great big hand clap today. That was awesome. Now, I want to, before we leave out here in the next few moments, uh, I want to ask you to, to, to personally invite you to come out to, to be a part of something. Everybody, I get a lot of times people saying, Pastor Jay, what are my steps to being a part of journey? You know, how do I become a member? How do I get involved? And tonight, Stacy and I are going to be teaching our, our membership class, our Connect class. And I want to take a moment to personally invite you, if you've not been a part of that class yet, to come this evening, 5 o'clock. We're going to have food. We'll have child care. It's going to be a great time. We love that class just because we love to hang out uh, with the, the new families here at Journey Church. So come out and be a part of that. And then last Sunday, I actually challenged you all in part of my message. We have Serve Like Crazy coming up October the 28th. We take a Sunday and instead of having a normal worship service, we say, you know what, let's come together and worship, but then let's get out of here and go be the church to our community. Tons of projects, they're all listed online. Go to takethejourney.tv and find the place where you want to serve. Get involved. And I said this last Sunday, if you consider yourself a part of the Journey Church family, then don't take that as, hey, I got a Sunday where, where I don't have to go to church. But take that as a Sunday where you can get involved and plugged in and you can serve alongside of us making a difference within this community. So let's do this. Let's make that a great Sunday uh, where everybody is talking about the love of Jesus within our community. Amen. So let's all go ahead and stand to our feet. And ladies, I want to remind you that this Tuesday, you've got Journey Girls at 630. Going to be a great time right here. I'm going to go ahead and invite our prayer team to make their way to the front. And if you would like prayer for anything at all, or if you prayed that prayer alongside of Bernie to surrender your heart to Christ, uh, come and let our prayer team pray with you and minister to you. So as we leave out of here today with a great word within our heart, let's remember this, that we don't just go to church. Love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you back here this next week.